Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 83. This week we talk about our current hardware and software, and we get our Christmas list ready. A $5 slice of Raspberry Pi, and we're never driving a car with computers again. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Happy Cyber Monday, guys. We got Carl and Brandon. How's it going? Good. I'm I'm doing excellent. <laughs> I asked you guys like both at the same time, so you have to talk over each other. Fight. So yeah, we got uh, we got Brandon back. You know, he's sort of our he's just he's our default uh, our default guest, and it's always great to have you on, Brandon. <laughs> always great to be here. So did you guys get any Black Friday deals? I only got one thing, and that's because you bought it as well. So I'll let you talk about the uh, first item you got as a Black Friday deal, Jason. Okay. Oh, you want me to do that one first? So, yeah. um, and I didn't even realize that you got that one, but I saw I, this was a deal, and you know, I'm sort of promoting, uh, you know, like a competitor, but that's that's okay in this case. The Amazon Cloud Drive is normally sixty bucks a year for unlimited storage. Um, and you think, I think you have to have a prime membership as well. So they actually get quite a bit of money out of this, but it was on sale on black Friday for $5, um, which I'm presuming to, is to get people hooked, you know, because this is a yearly subscription that you have to pay for, but five bucks for the first year is a, is a pretty good deal. So, um, so yeah, I signed up with this and I've been using it. You know, I use a lot of different services as, um, you know, as backups. I also have, actual hard drive backups here where I swap these things out and I have a, I just, I try to back everything up like five different times. So what I use Carl, cause I know you said you started using the app and, and we, when we started the show, Skype was just terrible. Um, and I don't know, there's something about their app that just, it kills whatever network it's attached to. So I think you were experiencing that as well. So what I use, um, I use a program called Syncback pro and this is a this is a tool I can't remember I paid for it I want to say it was like sixty bucks or something like that um, or fifty bucks um, I'd have to look up the exact price We'll have a link to it in the show notes so you you can take a look at this thing but it's basically software that will let you like copy from anywhere to anywhere including cloud providers so you can uh, it'll go to OneDrive um, I think it supports Dropbox and iCloud and Google Drive and all those different things, but it supports Amazon Cloud Drive. And what's nice about it is I can schedule this thing to run between, I have it set up, you know, between like midnight and 6 a.m. It goes through and it looks at a couple different collections, like my photography folder, as an example. It compares that to what's up in the Amazon Cloud Drive and then uploads anything that's new. And then I also have that going out to, uh, to OneDrive. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, that works out pretty good. I don't have to think about it and it always makes sure that I have a, a, a backup out there and you can, you, you know, it's really sophisticated too. You can make it so that it won't delete files if they've been deleted locally. Or in my case, I think I have it set for like a week or two weeks. So if you delete a file locally, you have, you know, like a buffer period before it will get deleted in the cloud, which is really cool. That is cool. But that actually wasn't even what I was talking about. Mm. I did get that as well, but I also got the Amazon tablets. Oh. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So Amazon has these, uh, these fire tablets, right. And they're normally 50 bucks, which already, you know, seems like, uh, that's like super cheap tablet ter- territory. And, uh, these things like in gadget reviewed these and they were actually really good for 50 bucks. And Amazon had these things that was actually, I think they had them for two days. It was like Friday and Saturday, or maybe it was Thursday and Friday. They had them for 35 bucks and I bought a whole bunch of them. I bought, uh, I bought four of them. <laughs> 
Cause that, I mean, just think about that. Uh, you know, for 140 bucks, I was able to buy four of these things. So I think some of them be gifts. I'm not going to, sh- I'm not sure if I'm going to, you know, let my kids use some of them or, or I, I haven't quite purposed all of them yet. Yeah. And then uh, we also bought one for the show. Didn't we? Carl? Yep. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I, I mm-hmm. bought mine mostly just because I have, you know, a bunch of kids, but my two younger boys, uh, we had bought them Dell venue pros and, uh, there's a lot of games that they wanted that weren't quite on there and it was kind of a pain to update all the time. And they just, I mean, it, it was kind of easy for them to use, but not really. So I just wanted something a little bit more easy for them. And then on top of yeah. it for 35 bucks, if they break it, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Then they just don't have it's a just, tablet. It's just an insane deal. Yeah. I'm wondering though, if it's going to be like grass is greener, you know, now you got to manage an Android tablet, um, which you could bring up its own set of issues, which will be interesting. I think that Amazon provides a whole bunch of uh, parental controls, which is nice though. Cause I had the Nexus seven tablets for a while and I actually hated those things uh, for the kids. And I ended, that's why I ended up buying the windows tablets a while back. Um, I also got, um, $180 TV deal and we've had, uh, Trisha Curry on the show before and she, uh, she's the one that told me about it and I bought one and then she wasn't able to buy one. <laughs> um, so I sort of stole that deal from her. So sorry about that, Trisha. Um, no, and then my, what was that? <laughs> yeah, no, <he's> yeah. Not. <laughs> no, I'm keeping it. I offered it to her for 200 bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I gotta make a little profit. And then uh, I also got a laptop from the Microsoft store for 400 bucks. It was normally 750. So it's a nice 1080p laptop with a terabyte hard drive. Um, it has, uh, what is it? Eight gigs of RAM. And uh, it's just a nice laptop. So, you know, I have, I have three kids and now I have to manage a lot of devices and things on my network. And my four-year-old now, she, she's getting, uh, uh, she's unhappy because she doesn't have a laptop. So my, my middle child, his, his like, you know, nine-year-old laptop is going to, get uh, passed down to her and he's getting a new one. Um, so I thought that was, that was a deal that I couldn't pass up. Okay. So what do we have for feedback this week? So this week we got it off of Twitter from Tony Rainieri. Uh, he said, Jason, I, I know I've heard you mention it, uh, before, but what's the name of the game you play at the end of the MS dev show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I sent him a link to that and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, would you, what the heck is it called exactly here? Would you, if you search for, would you rather a classic card game on Amazon? You'll find and, it. And that's important because there's a book and that's got a lot more, uh, Google juice than the card game. So, okay. I'll, well, there's also, yeah, there's also a board game, which I didn't, which I guess is like the, the big brother of this thing. And I think the cards are the same, so there's no new questions, but, um, yeah, if you want a whole game out of this thing, you can do that. So too. we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So everybody knows. And yeah, I love some of the reviews because they were talking about how it's kind of an immature game. <laughs> so well, it fits you know, us, but it's good, but it's good enough for the MS dev show. All right. So along with that, Tony wins the Infragistics ultimate license. And, uh, uh, on top of that, we have some other exciting news. So we've actually renewed mm-hmm. with them. So, uh, they've been with us for six months and they're going to be with us for the next year as well. And as yep. part of that, um, we're going to be able to bring you guys a lot more cool things coming up. And like Jason alluded to before, uh, we've got some special surprises for a hundredth episode. And, uh, I think right now, uh, we're just going to call it the swag bomb mm-hmm. and, uh, we're going to have a, a, a huge giveaway for the hundredth episode. So we have yet to iron out the details about that, but just, you know, sometimes people get annoyed by, uh, you know, sponsors and stuff, they really are important to the show, but we want to give as much of this back to you guys as possible. So hundredth yeah. episode, we're looking to do some pretty cool things. Yep. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, obviously stickers and hats and things like that in there. 
But um, yeah, the the tablet that I talked about earlier, we're going to throw one of those in. Um, you just ordered a ridiculous amount of uh, custom M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Which is, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, so, you know, MS Dev Show M&Ms taste better than regular M&Ms. And uh, somebody, one of our lucky listeners will find that out. Yes. So if you want to win the Infragistics Ultimate License and uh, perhaps even more, be sure you know how to contact us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, feedback at msdevshow.com, and even on our website, you can leave a message for us there. Can I contact you here, or is this cheating? <laughs> yeah, you can just tell us now, Brandon. Show's great. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, thank you. Brandon. By the way, uh, that's why we have you on. Friends of the show are not yeah. eligible. Yeah. Now I'm going to disconnect Brandon. <laughs> He's done his part. Okay. So let's get into the news. And then what we're going to do after the news is we, we're basically going to talk about uh, kind of our current state of hardware, what we're using these days. And then uh, also what our wish list is. Cause you know, Christmas is right around the corner and uh, Brandon is probably going to buy us a whole bunch of really cool stuff. So we, we got to tell him what we want. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's see here. First news item. This was really cool. I saw this um, and I retweeted this guy. Basically this is in Chrome and the developer tool. So, so here's the scenario. Your JavaScript fails and it says uncaught type error. Undefined is not a function. Has anybody ever seen that whenever they're doing JavaScript? Thanks dev tools. Like, not helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That is getting switched. I don't know if it's in, it's gotta be in like a future update here of, um, of Chrome. It probably has rolled out already, but it's uncaught type error. Foo.bar is not a function. So we'll actually tell you what it's talking about, which is huge. So you can actually figure out what is what it's thinking is a function, what it's trying to call as a function. Because um, usually that happens whenever the object is null. And now it's going to tell you the name of it. So that is uh, that is huge. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, the next one here. Uh, Google launches the Android Studio 2.0 with improved emulator, emu- Android emulator and instant run feature. What is this, Carl? Th- this is huge because um, the emulator for Android that came from Google has been widely known as a huge joke. It takes forever <laughs> to go. And yeah. and well, they may not, you know, they're made, making improvements there. First time around might not be a whole lot faster, but every subsequent time when you make just a small change and you want to just check it out, they'll uh, be able to cache pretty much most of it and just on the fly swap out the code. Oh, that is so cool. And have... A, so they make a point here. It's like, it's like writing HTML, right? You make a change, yeah. refresh, and boom, you see it. This totally changes your workflow if you're doing uh, Android development and you want to stick with the native tool stack with Android Studio, which is uh, also on version 2.0, which is a lot better than what there was a couple of years ago. So um, things in Android, stu- you know, in Android development land are really getting exciting. Well, the bar has been raised, right? Like everybody. Well, has to by do Visual Studio, though. What was that? By Visual Stu- Studio. That's the yeah. that's the bar. Yeah, exactly. But uh, either way, this this is seriously uh, uh, some really cool stuff coming out for Android devs. Yeah, cool. Um, animated SVG versus GIF GIF. <laughs> <laughs> I always say both. Uh, so what is this here? The, I, this was just a comparison of the two, right? For animations and scale. Yeah, and. I, I thought this was really interesting because as uh, you know, somebody who's a web developer, um, a lot of thought is put behind what do you what kind what kind of format do you have for your images? And the ones that I tend to forget about a lot are SVG. And this mm-hmm. is an article that really brings up the power of SVG, especially if you're talking about animated images. So animated GIFs versus animated SVGs. And um they kind of 
brings it to, you know, what's the current set of development for each of these and what are the strengths that there are? Uh, a lot of times you forget that you can actually hit um, your SVG with with styles on the fly in JavaScript. So you can, you know, dynamically change some of these. And the fact that <clears throat> SVG is uh, compresses way smaller than a GIF kin. Yeah, for any kind of vector graphics. Yeah. And it's actually really easy to use. So, yeah. you know, there's an example here where I, and performance. I click through. Yeah, I click I click through on it and I mean it's just a it's just some paths and I mean it's 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 XML but it's really it's about as easy to read XML as you can get. So I wouldn't I wouldn't uh shy away from if you ever have to write some SVG to to do some some actual line drawings or regions or things like that. I wouldn't shy away from it. And I had to I had to do some SVG recently and it was it was just a piece of cake. And then even adding in animations, I actually had some points that would pop in on a chart and I animated them like appearing and it was just, it was just awesome. And it took me, I don't know, 15 minutes to figure out the animation. It was awesome. And one of the things I thought was cool is, um, I didn't even realize this was possible, but you can have animated SVG sprites. So you can have them all being pulled down at once and then, uh, okay. access them like you would any other spreading technique. So that just shows that, you know, well, well, SVGs aren't still aren't hundred percent global everywhere with support. There's generally, um, at least a shim that you can use to bring that support or a great fallback. Right. I was going to say, do you know, like uh, all modern browsers support SVG, right? I mean, I know edge does and, um, Chrome and Firefox, right. Does, um, like, what about like IE 11? Does it support SVG? I don't know. I'd have to look that not up. Sure. Yeah. I, I thought IE did a couple versions back, but I, okay. I guess I'm not a hundred percent sure either. Yeah. Yeah, I think as long as it supports, let's say 10 and 11, then I think you're pretty safe these days. I mean, it obviously depends on the audience. You know, if you're trying to run something where you know that everybody's going to have an older browser, that's one thing. But um, I think they're pretty universally supported now because there's libraries like D3, you know, where they're doing all the all the graphics. And I know they're using SVG. There's tons of people using SVG under the hood. So if you have a browser that doesn't support SVG, there's probably more and more of the web will be broken for you. Uh, okay, VS Code extension, quick snippet, custom snippets. What is this? So, oh, this is basically yeah, yeah. Um, from from Sarah. Yeah, so we had Sarah Ataney on the show uh, last spring to talk about uh, mm -hmm. uh, JavaScript. Uh, yeah, it was Node, Node JS. That's the it. Node tools for Visual yeah. Studio NTVS. Yeah, and uh, she wrote uh, this uh, VS Code extension to quickly let you make little snippets that you can reuse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the just really powerful things that I like on the big Visual Studio tool set. And just having that now in VS code is, is like I said, pretty powerful. Yeah. The extensions are, I mean, that's, what's going to open up VS code for sure. That's, that's huge. So this is just showing that, I mean, I think there's probably, I think the, the number of extensions in there is just exploding as time goes on. Okay. Raspberry Pi zero, the $5 computer. So I told you guys before the show, why didn't they, I think they just missed a huge opportunity. This thing should be called like the slice Raspberry Pi, the slice. Because this is a $5 version of the Raspberry Pi. And it's surprisingly powerful as well. And uh, the other thing was that this is coming with their, you know, there's the, what is it, the Magpie magazine. Um, it's actually coming uh, with an episode of that. So think about that. I mean, somebody on Twitter had mentioned, like, you used to get, you know, CDs with uh, with some magazines. And now you just get a computer. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your free computer. Check it out. Um, anything you guys wanted to talk about on this computer? No, I just think it's really awesome that for $5, you get a computer that you can play with. 
Yeah, half a gig of RAM, a gigahertz uh, processor, which is 40% faster than the Raspberry Pi 1, micro SD card slot, mini HDMI for 1080p at 60 frames per second video output, micro USB sockets for data and power, uh, GPIO header, which is crazy. It has the same pinout um, as the, some of the uh, existing Raspberry Pis. Um, man, uh, they still have the composite video header in there. Yeah. That's kind of surprising. It must, it must be really easy. There must be, it must be the chip that they're using just makes that super easy. Cause yeah, you're right. It's I, unless, unless there is like a large, it, well, you know, I wonder if it comes down to the fact that this, you know, these, these raspberry Pis were originally meant for, you know, like education. <laughs> and, um, so if you can only afford, you know, a $35 computer or in this case now a $5 computer, uh, you're probably not going to have a monitor that supports HDMI yet. You're probably going to be using handy, hand-me-down monitors. So out of curiosity, and since it kind of falls in line with what we're going to be talking about here soon, yep. do you guys have Raspberry Pis at all? And if you do, what are you using them for? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple. Oh, what's Carl got there? He's got a box with a Windows I logo. got the, the Microsoft uh, Raspberry Pi kit. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, so it's got some other good. Yeah, so with it's it? got like a whole bunch of extra sensors and wires and lights and switches and all that good stuff. Okay. So I'm still think I just got this, so I'm still thinking about what I'm going to be doing with it. Yeah. So, so Brandon, I mean, being completely honest, I think most of the most of the people who have bought these device IoT devices with an intention to do something, I bet you the nine out of ten of just sitting there. So most of the ones I have are, are just sitting around. I mean, I don't, it's not like I'm actively using a whole bunch of them. Uh, my re- I do have a Raspberry Pi 2 here, and I also have the Fez hat for it. And I do have uh, Windows 10 installed on an SD card. And, you know, so I'm able to run Windows 10 with like the sample app. And that Fez hat gives you a whole bunch of different sensors on it. So I have the app, you know, where you can like read from those sensors. And But I haven't built anything extremely interesting on top of that. You know, because it's just usually... I mean, it just takes a lot of time. I mean, you're just like reinventing this. So if you have a, if you have a work project where you, you need to hook some hardware into, to some real things and you can use this as your, you know, sort of as your, as your development kit, then, um, you know, this, that's huge because it just makes it easy where you can give every developer a couple of these things and they can, um, you know, they can have them set up in a couple of different configurations and use them. Do you, are you using any Brandon? Yeah, actually I, I do have one. Uh, in production, so Ooh. to say, my own. <laughs> so I have two Raspberry Pis. Um, I got one as a gift, which was a B plus, and then I picked up a two when it came out. Yep. Um, I'm actually using the B plus. I never migrated over to the two for a, just a really cheap ad hoc like home security system. Oh. So I have like a node process running on there, and my uh, my security cameras just like cut out JPEG images yeah. that dump on there, and then I have it load up to Azure. And then I have just a small website running out there that feeds those images. So if I want to see like activity, yeah. Um, I was originally going to build like a, a really cool photo booth. Mm-hmm. So I like actually like did some of the you know electronics with the breadboarding and mm-hmm. uh, wired up some custom buttons and stuff. But kind of to your point, you know that nine out of ten that project just kind of fizzled because it, yeah. it takes time. It really does. Yeah, because you're reinventing. I mean, it's easier than ever. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no better time to get started than now. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still figuring out all the parts and, and it's one of those things where you have to figure out like all the different input output modes and how, you know, what works with what. And, and there's some places that make that a little bit easier, but then you got to find what those places are and, you know, put all those pieces together. So, you know, it's, it's worth the time investment if there's a problem you're trying to solve. I will say the, the one thing I got out of it is I have just 
crazy respect now for electrical engineers because <laughs> figuring out like all the resistors and capacitance yeah. and all that stuff just blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So let's finish the news off with a big downer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Toyota. Yeah. Let's talk about software killing people. Uh, Toyota unintended acceleration and the big bowl of spaghetti code. So this was, this was pretty terrifying. So basically the short, short version of this is that they, you know, we, we all were crossing our fingers, hoping that Toyota, you know, I should say any software that's like running the things that are really important in our lives that keep us from dying. You know, we, we, we're under this impression that there's like these super smart people that are making sure that this is like NASA level code. And, uh, we sort of assume that like for our cars and that, and, um, you know, we, we hope whoever's making the, uh, the infotainment system from like five years ago is not the same company that's, you know, writing the, the brake system or whatever. <laughs> um, so this is talking about um, some information that came out. Some people who have actually seen the code and what was it? There's 10,000 global variables and it's just talking about this code is just terrible. It's terrible. They ran some analysis on it too, to, to some of the NASA coding standards. And basically it's, you know, well, they would probably just throw the whole thing away. Well, for, for that, for those standards, it says for every, every violation. So, so every time there's a violation, um, Mm-hmm. You know, they mark that down. And for every 30 violations, you can consider there to be three minor bugs and one major bug. Yeah. And they had found 81,514 violations, which comes down to 2,717 major bugs and 8,151 minor bugs, which wow. is just, which is kind of astounding considering that you're driving these at, you know, 80 miles an hour down the freeway. Yeah, I don't I I don't know how the automakers, I don't know how they deal with the complexity, right? Because it used to be that, you know, they were basically doing uh, you know, ladder logic to to you know, control some of the interactions, but they've gotten so sophisticated now that to to not fall way behind. I mean, you have to write some code in here and you probably have to start you're getting to the point where you have to start using some frameworks in there. I mean, are they wonder too if they're using some outside code in there you know how do they test and validate that um you know so, and, and the the sheer number of vehicles that are out there too you're gonna have problems so was uh was the toyota code running like on a raspberry pi or <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was on the first one. Oh, I mean, that's see that's <laughs> yeah, the issue uh, yeah no. model b would have well and, and this is even going against like the 2004 version of their code so i mean you look at that, I mean, software engineering in vehicles, and I think in like 1994 vehicles, there was hardly any code running Yeah, in, in that. So yeah. you really have like, you're going from nothing and 10 years later to getting like, you know, 10,000 major possible defects in your code. So that, that's a lot. That's huge. Yeah, And, and here we are, point, 10 point, we're 10 years beyond that now. Mm-hmm. So, so stuff like that. So as a software developer... Uh, I got to say, first of all, being a software developer is, I think, one of the coolest things you can be because you learn to just really think about the stuff around you and how stuff works. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's part of your job, right? It's like they have this business purpose. You need to figure out how to implement it. Well, you start thinking about that with the world around you. Mm-hmm. So with that, so I, I just bought a new car recently and I, I did some research just to see when's the next model you're coming out. What's the difference? Should I get, you know, 2015 or wait for 2016? And one of the headline features on the 2016 is that they're adding in adaptive power control or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Where you can basically hit a button 
on, on the dash and it puts your car into crazy performance mode, which basically means like it, it turns differently, it brakes differently, it accelerates differently. And it just got me thinking, I'm like, how many safety checks need to be in that process? How many yeah. different things are being controlled by code because I hit that one button and now my car drives differently? Like yeah. just thinking the, the number of things software control, like to Carl's point, you know, compared to 10 or 15 years ago, is just is astounding. And in a way, it kind of scares me because I know about all of, you know, how software yeah. development works. Yeah, the more permutations you have and more combinations of, of possible things that you have, they there's like you know there's probably some kind of formula in here where you know that goes up exponentially but the testing can't so the testing is going to always lag behind that and the automakers we know that they like to have you know different options and packages and things like that so you know if i were to go buy quote unquote the same car as you brandon i wouldn't have the same car as you mm-hmm. i would have you know some of the options would be slightly different and um yeah you're right my my car does the same thing i have like a i have a switch in there and it changes the throttle response and it changes the shift points. And I mean, the car certainly has the capability to just completely destroy itself at any moment. <laughs> um, you know, and you never know if you're going to hit some kind of uh, edge case in there. It's, it's, that's crazy. I don't, I, I don't know how you manage that, that complexity. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm, and you know that they're, I'm sure they're underfunded too, right? You know, as far as like the cost of the car, they're probably like, Oh, well, we'll leave, you know, X a number of dollars for this team. And then, they hire some devs and, you know, I'm sure that, uh, they don't, the devs don't get to say like, Oh, you know what? You have to double our budget, you know, cause we, we want to make sure that this is good and that's what it's going to take. They're going to be like, mm, not going to happen. Right. <laughs> well, con- considering it took us 30 years to plug a printer in and get it to work appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> kind of scares me on the car side. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So my grandfather in his model T, um, he might have the right idea. <laughs> He's yeah. going, going the other way. He can, he can understand physically everything about that car. That might be the way to go. Okay. You, you can now take off your tinfoil hats. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's move on to hardware. Speaking of complexity. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how you guys wanted to do this. Um, I can kind of talk about some of my changes since the last episode, um, and actually, you know, Brandon, we haven't heard the stuff that you use, so maybe we should even start there. I don't know if you have a list or if you were, if you wanted to talk about anything. Well, as I mentioned, I think the last time I was on, so I'm rocking a Commodore 128. Yeah. Um, it's going along <laughs> smoothly. I got like 50 adapters between that and my router. <laughs> yep. I do get the internet. Um, do you no, have, <laughs> I was going to say, is it, can you get that thing online somehow? I think, I think it's possible. right. Uh, now if you have, um, I'll dig the link up so you can put it in the show notes. I saw an article, and this was like six months ago. Someone did get like one of the old apples, like the really old yeah. Macs, on the internet, but it literally did take like twenty different adapters. <laughs> so they have like this two foot long stick of just adapters in order to get to you know a modern connection. Okay. So I'll I'll dig that up and send it to you. Okay. Um, but no, uh, so as far as what I'm rocking these days, um, so my primary personal machine is, is an iMac that I've had actually for four or five years. So I, uh, I always hope that it'll die because <laughs> yeah. I, I want a new one and the new ones look really nice, but, um, you know, I'm not going to lie the hardware quality and the build and, you know, just maybe a combination of having OS 10 on there. This machine's just 
rocket. Yeah, that's like that's like an eternity in computer years. It, it is. So does and, it run the latest version of OS X then? Oh, yeah. I mean, this thing okay. runs great. And, and I don't see an end in sight, honestly. Do you have an SSD in it? Yep. Okay, yep. So, so you swap that out. Okay, because that's really like one of the biggest advancements in you know for for computer performance. Yeah, it was. Um, I want to say when I bought this, it was probably the first iMac generation that offered the SSDs. Oh, you bought it like factory like that? Yeah, wow. yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was like the. I want to say it was 2010 or 2011. So it was the first year they offered it the oh. iMacs. Well, that's not bad for 30 grand. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's no, it's, estimated it's, estimated pricing. I know, right? <laughs> so no, I, this this machine's been working really well for me. Um, my work machine is is a modern MacBook Pro. Okay. Um, sadly, I picked it up like a month and a half before they they did the MacBook Pro refresh. <laughs> so they put like the so brand the, new like quad channel SSDs. Yeah, yeah, is it the 2014 model then? Yeah, I think yeah. Okay, it would have been that. So like they updated the SSDs. Um, I think it was a chipset update and stuff. So I missed that. You know, it was the Force Touch update too, or whatever they're calling it. Yep. Yep. Um, so I missed that. I wasn't too bad because uh, I upgraded from like a really crappy Dell. Yeah. So. Well, don't feel bad because 3D Touch is all the rage now, and Force Touch is you know that's old stuff. Well, Force Touch sounded like you know a criminal offense, so I'm glad they changed the name. <laughs> so, uh, oh boy, yeah, you, you don't want that on your record, right? <laughs> but no, that's pretty basic. Otherwise, as far as mobile stuff goes, I've always rocked an iPhone, so I, I have an iPhone six plus. Um, I do every other update, so I didn't get the S. Um, so you could yeah. just say, you know, Apple fanboy, and we could just move yeah, on. You know, honestly, <laughs> uh, really, really am. I, I feel bad sometimes saying it, especially being, you know, a Microsoft developer and I'm always promoting things like Azure and Well, and you do NBC. a lot with Windows. Well, you know, Azure doesn't care, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like Microsoft. It, it's fantastic. I love that they're doing so much OS X stuff because I, I can. I can work in a Microsoft world with a Mac and yeah. it's fantastic. Okay. So speaking of which, so I do, I did pick up a 15 inch MacBook Pro. Uh, there was a sale at Best Buy. This would have been just a few months ago. I think it was after we had our last hardware episode. And, um, you know, I've been wanting to get into, uh, I wanted to, I've been wanting to be able to do like iOS development and, and some of these other things. And, uh, you know, Macs will run, you can run OS 10 and you can run Windows. So I'm running Windows in, in parallels, but I do stay on the, on the OS 10 side of things. And uh, so this is, this is really like my travel development machine. Cause I have a super powerful desktop that I use when I'm at home that's running windows. And then my travel machine for, for other things is the, is the surface pro three, but for my kind of hardcore multi-platform development is the, is the MacBook pro. So this thing, 16 gigs of Ram, 256 gig SSD. And I uh, picked it up at best buy on sale for 1750, which I thought was just an incredible deal. Cause this thing is, you know, it's a quad core, um, you know, a lot of mobile processors, even if they're an i7, they're usually dual core, whereas this thing's actually a, a quad core, which is a big deal for me. Cause I wanted to just get something that was like super, super powerful. And, um, and you're right. I have, it's all Microsoft stuff on here. You know, I have office, you know, including outlook, I have, um, VS code and, and really the, the, the apps that I use like 99% of the time are VS code and, and office, which is kind of funny cause it, you know, I don't need to use all that power. And then I do have, I'm um, running parallels and I have windows in a VM 
And within Windows, then I have full Visual Studio. But I tend to avoid it because I figure if I'm, you know, loading up Windows in that VM, if I have that running while I'm on battery at least, and doing, um, you know, full Visual Studio work, I'm probably going to drain down the battery quicker. Although I haven't really seen any evidence of that, but. Um, in general, I try to stay in the lower power apps when I'm on battery. So here's a preference question for you, speaking of parallels. Um, so like I said, my work machine is MacBook Pro as well. Yep. So I'm running Windows 10 in a VM. Um, so do you do you find yourself leaving parallels kind of like in its windowed mode? Like I run mine full screen in a space. Yeah. And I, I don't touch coherence or anything like that. Yeah. So I started in coherence because it seems to be like the greatest thing. So for anybody who doesn't know what this is, it basically lets you run like you could run like notepad from windows, right? In in on your Mac, it's really running in the, the VM, but it does like this graphics trick where notepad has like the, you know, have like the windows 10 frame around it, uh, but it's still a floating window. So I started out that way and it's really confusing and I'm not convinced the performance is as good and, um, so I did give that up because I, I did, I think this might be some of the same reasoning you had in your head, Brandon was, I just, I wanted to make, make it very clear, just switching between those two environments. Like I, I make it a conscious choice to switch between environments to switch over to windows. Um, so I do, I do segregate them that way and I don't use that coherence mode anymore. I, yeah, I, that's pretty much the exact reasoning. And honestly, I did notice performance issues running the yeah. coherence. Uh, I do like that. Uh, when you do switch to full screen, it actually makes use of OS X's built-in full screen function. Yep. So it throws it into an actual proper space. So that's really nice. Yeah, it makes it really, really quick to switch between it. So I think, you know, it's funny because if you if you get around some people that just never use a Mac, they're just really confused because it's, you know, they're like, oh, you know, nice PC. And then, you you know, you, you like do the three-finger swipe and all of a sudden it's OS X. They're like, what, what just happened? And then you switch back and they're like, what's going on? Like, how are you, how do you have two computers hooked up? It just, it looks kind of freaky. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second. And I want to talk about infragistics. Yeah. If you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, they have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio, too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and, you know, sell your ideas. Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to, to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you can try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. Okay, do you have any Macs, Carl? No, I do not. 
Car, yeah, they maxless his hands burn if he if he touches them. No, <laughs> I know that I know you've had one on and off, and uh, yeah, I, I know you had some you had some issues. And see, I've been I I grew up I my first well my first um, wasn't my first computer, but uh, my parents got a uh, Mac Plus whenever I was five, so I actually started on uh, on Macs back in the day. Yeah, so, but I've always I've always switched back and forth. I use both. So th- growing up, you know. I, like a lot of people my age, you know, I, the schools that I, that I was at had, uh, Apple two E's. Um, yep. when I went to middle school, we had like the first Mac classic lab in the state. And that was like a really big thing at the time. <laughs> so I, the, the school system, I grew up on Macs, but I just never preferred them as much. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, there's, there's some frustrating things that we don't really need to get into. Today. No, not today. <laughs> I, I usually, I just, I just call up. We'll save them for our Christmas him. grievance episode. Yeah. You know, cause I think Brandon, if he, if Brandon has issues with windows, he'll call me. So I call him whenever I have a Mac issue. That's only fair. It works out. Yep. So I still have my surface pro three, my, my old surface pro three, my old out of date surface pro three. Um, you know, it's still, still doing a good job. I, you know, I, I think I mentioned this on a different episode, but I have uh, basically T you know, the TH two, the November update on this thing. And, uh, it's been running like a charm. Um, so I've, I've had great battery life on it and I use it for modern apps. I use it for some work stuff and then, uh, I use it when I'm traveling quite a bit. Cause it, you know, you can actually use this thing on a plane. Um, cause it, you know, this MacBook pro, you could never actually physically open in the space that is a, an airline seat, unfortunately. Um, but I do, you know, sort of talking about future things, uh, you know, the, the surface book, looks interesting. The surface pro four looks interesting. I would have a hard time picking at this point, which one I would be interested in. Um, I am really, really interested in a service pro four keyboard. You said you got one, right? Carl? Yes. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. I, you can't talk about it. No, anymore. I can't. <laughs> um, and I did take your advice from last time, Carl, I bought a whole bunch of, uh, short cables. So I have, aren't they amazing for your uh, desk? Yeah. I think they're like, I don't know. They must be like 10 in, or maybe they're, maybe they're foot long. Uh, which, you know, like a foot long cable really isn't that long. No, it's not. You, you sort of picture it as like this long cable, but the reality is like they bend and things like that. So I bought like a, I bought a whole bunch of those and I use those with my, um, my anchor charger. So I have a, you know, a six port charger that can supply 10 Watts on every single port. And I can use that to charge all my devices simultaneously. So phones, tablets, everything for all the kids. We have basically have a charging station here in my office where we charge everything simultaneously, which is awesome. Um, one thing I didn't mention last time, this is, uh, getting into software. I subscribe to the, um, a VPN service called private internet access. Do you guys have a VPN that you guys pay for? Nope. 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 I'm the only one. So this is actually, this is actually really handy. There's a lot of scenarios when this is extremely useful. Like you get into hotels and a lot of times they'll block a whole bunch of ports or sometimes I'll just be at, um, you know, at a company or something like that. And they block a whole bunch of ports as long as private interaccess can get out, which isn't a guarantee, but if it's able to get out over its uh, VPN, um, it's nice cause you can tunnel out and then it will give you a nice fast connection to pretty much everything. So if you can establish that connection, you can get a good connection to everywhere. Um, also it works good for, um, like if you're outside the country and you want to watch Netflix or something like that, I actually tested that. It worked pretty good. Um, there's just a ton of scenarios where this makes sense. And I think they charge, they have a deal right now, I think where it's like 29 bucks for the year. Um, I think the regular price though is like 39 bucks. It's really not that bad and it's unlimited bandwidth. And, um, it's just, it's kind of a cool tool to have, uh, in your toolbox and you can also use it from, uh, phones. They have like, you can go on the iPhone and, 
um, set up a VPN on there and even use it from there. So if you're ever on, um, let's say a plane that's blocking, let's say they're blocking Skype, like you can get around, uh, those types of things with this. So it's just, it's just real nice for breaking out of, um, somebody who's restricting, um, all of your connections, uh, for no good reason. Um, Microsoft band. So I still have my band one. I love it, but I, I did order a band too. I ordered it, I don't know, like two weeks ago for whatever reason, the, the stores have plenty. Um, at least the last time I was in a store, but the online store seems to be backed up. So if you, if you want one and there's a store near you, I would recommend going to a store and getting one. Um, cause I'm still waiting on mine. I think the estimated ship date was December 4th. So it should be shipping here pretty soon. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I know you have a band too. And I suppose we'll wait for you to talk about that, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else. Oh, so I've been using, uh, so on the Mac for, for like iOS development and cross platform development, I've been using uh, Xamarin studio, um, which is pretty good. Um, it's, you know, it's had years and years and years to mature. So being able to write, you know, C sharp and, and develop a cross platform app is, uh, is pretty cool. And then I can also go in and I've tested this. I can, I can actually run, you know, visual studio from my windows environment, connect it back to the agent that's, uh, that's running in OS 10. And I can also do iOS development that way, which is pretty cool. Uh, another thing that I picked up was, uh, I picked up a, a two terabyte, which is kind of small now that I've seen some black Friday deals for some really high capacity drives, but I picked this up at Costco on sale for, I think it was 80 bucks. It's a little USB three drive. It's two terabytes external, super, super compact. And, uh, I use that if I, you know, if I'm traveling and I needed to just put a whole bunch of stuff on there and move a whole bunch of big files, virtual machines, uh, movies, that type of thing. I usually just load that thing up with anything I might need. That way I'm not kind of stuck on the, on an Island of just the, the hard drive in my, in my machine. Um, let's see here. Actually going back to your last yeah, tip, uh, you, you know what I normally do for my external drives? Um, no. you can actually pick up the drive enclosures like super cheap and any oh, yeah. time I upgrade a hard drive, the old one goes in an enclosure. Oh, that's a really good. So you can get decent like USB three ones for like 12 bucks off of new egg. Okay. So, that would have been answering right. I actually think though that this, this enclosure with the drive. And so that's great. If you're upgrading, I think this thing with the drive, I think was cheaper than the drive, but I didn't, I, I saw some comments on that, but um, I, I guess I haven't confirmed that myself. Um, one thing I picked up for my car was, um, it's, it's, it's called, it has a goofy name that basically it's a, it's a dash cam, but there's a, there's a company in China that makes these things and they, they basically get rebranded all different brands. So on Amazon, you'll actually see like 10 different variants of this that are all identically the same thing. So I bought the, um, I think it's called the spy tech. Yeah. It's the spy tech, um, which actually they took out of the name now. Well, it's sold by spy tech. So it's, I got the a 118 dash C, um, car DVR. And then I put a 64 gig card in this thing. Basically what it does is it record, you know, it's a dash cam. So it records everything that that's, you know, happens in front of the car, but it also does motion detection and it stays on for quite a while after the car gets turned off. So, you know, if somebody walks up to the car, like after I get out of it or whatever, or even like me walking into a store, if it's pointed that direction, it'll catch me on the, on the camera, which is kind of cool. So I just bought this cause inevitably somebody's going to do something really stupid in front of me. And I'm, my only complaint about this camera is that it's kind of a huge pain in the butt to get set up. Initially, the menus are almost impossible to, to navigate because of the button configuration. Once you have this thing set up, then you're good to go. But when I first set it up, 
Um, I basically didn't have it set up to like roll over and like reuse the space on the drive. So right after the card filled up, I was making a turn and this diesel truck turned in front of me and I, you know, I have a convertible and he, he did this thing, I guess it's called rolling coal where they hit the gas and like you get all this black smoke. So I was like enveloped in like a cloud of black smoke. I was like, aha, I can, you know, give this footage to the local police department. Uh, yeah, the card had filled up and I didn't have that clip, unfortunately. <laughs> But I figured that out afterwards. So if you do buy one of these things, I mean, one of the issues, like I said, is just they're kind of a pain to set up. But look for something that will, um, you know, loop and record all of that, uh, record everything into a loop there. Um, what else we got? Um, some other things I added to the list that I've actually used for a while. Uh, Jabra Pro wireless headset. So I use a Jabra 9470 headset. And I've actually given this tip to quite a few people. But this is a wireless headset that I use for all my Skype call for Skype, Skype for business, for whatever, Google Hangouts, anything like that. You use this headset. It's got some software so that it interfaces nicely with those different pieces of software. And this this headset, it weighs like nothing. And, you know, it goes over the head. It's super comfortable and it has um, an advertised range of like 450 feet. Basically I can walk anywhere in my yard and this thing works and I cannot recommend this thing enough. They're pretty pricey, but if you're on the, if you're on Skype or on calls all day, um, I really recommend using this thing. Cause you can be going around, walking around the house, working on other things while you're on a call. It's really, really slick. And then you don't have to worry about getting up and, you know, having the, uh, the wire yank your head back and the headset off your head. Um, yeah. So Carl, do you want to talk about what you have now and then we can talk about the future? Yeah. So not a whole lot has changed with my home PC setup. Um, I did switch jobs, so I do have a new laptop, but, uh, okay. that's not the exciting part. The, the kind of cool thing that's changed in my setup, um, is kind of how I connect my peripherals, including my monitors. So one of the things that work gave me was, um, this anchor dual display universal docking station. And what you do is you hook up your keyboard, your mouse, uh, your HDMI or DVI monitors to it. And um, one thing that I noticed is it just hooked up to my laptop via USB 3. So that made me realize that anything I plug into there, I could probably share with all my other uh, computers too. Wow, this thing looks sweet. It, it is sweet. It's a pretty nice dock. So once I realized that every it's doing all the video and everything over USB... I got another thing uh, that IO gear four by four USB 3.0 switch mm-hmm. and it takes four inputs in the front and it switches it between four possible PCs. So what I do is I plug that dock into the front of this as, as well as another USB strip that I have. And I can just sw- switch uh, via switch and the same keyboard mouse and monitors will either go between my home PC, my work laptop, my surface pro three, or as well as if I have my phone in Continuum dock hooked up as well. Oh, that is so cool. So how do you actually do the switching? Is so there there's just a button. And, okay. you can, and, it, and the button's also on a huge lanyard, so you could be you know several feet from it or mount it somewhere. And uh, I can switch between multiple PCs, keeping all my peripherals, including my, uh, my webcam, the audio gear that we use, so the microphone mm-hmm. and all that. I can, uh, I've actually recorded oh, audio switches. on my phone from my nice Heil microphone. So <laughs> that's crazy. So, so you got to be a little careful, right? Because like, if you were using it as like a network adapter, you don't want like the network to disappear on the other PCs, yep. but anything that you want to switch, yep. you just hook up to, and, and hook you can hook your internet through there. If you only have one cable, you can do that all yeah. through USB. But like you said, it's yeah. going to, once you switch, it's not going to be on anything else. Yeah. So like I said, between that docking station 
the USB switch, and I also have a 10-port USB hub from Anchor. Mm -hmm. Um, That really has kind of transformed my work life between that. And then the uh, the other thing I got from my desk is something I saw Scott Hanselman tweet about. There's a really good deal on a desk lamp. And what's cool about this yeah. desk lamp is it can switch between brightnesses and temperatures. So it has four different temperatures, uh, reading, study, relax, and sleep. And those go from blue to, to orange. And then each one of those has five brightness levels. So you can just really dial in um, what kind of... Uh, light experience you want. And I've really become noticed that I become sensitive at night to blue lights. So yeah. during the day, I find it's, it's helpful to keep me focused, but at night I, I like that orange or light to kind of, can you schedule this thing somehow or is it manual? So it's, it's a on and off by switch, but you, it also has a 60 minute timer as well. So it'll go off on its own. Well, I was thinking like, you know, have it automatically shift the, the color spectrum throughout the day. No, it, it, it doesn't do that, but it's, you know, it's really, oh, it's, terrible. it's really stylish. Right no, it's awesome. It, it's stylish. <laughs> no, it's know, easy just to kidding. just press that button on the desk. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, that's it's a really cool. cool lamp and it's on, it's, it says it was normally like $200 or $140, but it's on sale for 35 <laughs> right now. <laughs> you save $164. So I don't know how much it originally was, but I do know, remember I saw this a while ago and I'm thinking, wow, that's pricey. But it actually is. Oh, so it, so it really was like a lot more it, expensive. I don't know exactly if it was that much more, but it was a lot more at one point. Okay. So it's recently come down in price. I don't know for how long. Okay. Uh, Very cool. All right. Okay. So to kind of go to my like tablet slash laptop setup changes, I still have the Surface Pro 3, but like I mentioned, I, I bought the Surface Pro 4 cover for it. Um, Which seems like a million times it, it's better. Way, it's way better. The the keys on there are spaced out a little bit more, and there's more travel to them. And to me, I think that's the key. Because there's a few keys that I, I had a hard time hitting before, especially like the space bar. Like I'd press yeah. it and it wouldn't register. I haven't had any issues with this. Okay. Uh, one of the, It's amazing, like just spreading out those keys, like how big of a difference that makes. Yeah. Because I tried it in the store. I'm like, this is a stupid question, but why didn't they do that to begin with? Oh, exactly. And it's way stiffer. So it, it really, yeah. like if it's on your lap, it sits a lot more stable as well. Yeah. I, it just, it just, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, I'm probably like, way underestimating how difficult it is to make a keyboard, but it it's just probably seems, way harder than you think. I know, but it seems like so logical now, like the way it is, like I can't imagine it being any other way. In fact, I, I went in, I was at the Apple store recently and I tried out the, the, um, what is it? The iPad pro, uh, their keyboard. And it was just terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> I just, I don't know what they're thinking. I just, it was, it was just like, it was like one of the worst keyboards I've ever used. Yep. I just don't, I don't know how they think they can get away with that. Yeah. So I also did get mine without the fingerprint reader, mostly because I wanted a color keyboard. So it's either black and fingerprint reader or get something yeah, that's color. Interesting. But okay. I also picked up a little USB fingerprint reader that sits on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. And, and, and it was actually cheaper than buying the other keyboard. You know, the, the price difference. And this is yeah. actually really cool because um, once I got it uh, set up, I mean, you just swipe your finger and it's instantly what? in. This thing is like, it like sits on the USB port. It, it sits there and it's at, funny. Sit, and it's angled just a little bit to be at the right angle for swiping your fingers. Wow. And how could you use this on a desktop? Yeah. In fact, I have, I guess I've pulled it out oh. and used it on my desktop. And that's another nice thing is you can use it wherever USB uh, peripheral like this can be plugged in. Okay. But it's a, it's a swipe, yep, right? It's a swipe one. It's not the press kind. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is just because I do, um, more presentations where I like have to plug stuff in, I need, uh, 
a USB hub and anchor makes this really nice aluminum one. That's kind of a heavy brick, but it's nice because you can have peripherals that stick out and it's not going to, it's not going to be like twisting the flimsy plastic all over the place. Oh yeah. This is, yeah, they, they actually, they design stuff so well. Like they just design it the way that it should be designed. That looks really cool. All right. So moving on to mobile phone stuff, uh, like, uh, all my friends know that I switch model phones. Like it's going out of style. But um, yeah. I, right now I'm actually dual carrying both the iPhone 6S Plus dual carrying. and the Microsoft Lumia 950 XL. So a yeah. little theme in there. I, I love the phablets. You can't get the screens big enough. Um, yeah, and and what's funny, he Carl really does like switch between these. It's not like he he's not he's not joking about that at all. Because I I actually I have an iPhone six right now, and what's funny is like the bubbles. You know, they change color depending on whether it's <laughs> iMessage or if it's regular text messaging. And I I could like show you the conversation, but it, it's like every time I I text him, it's it's different. It keeps switching back and forth. Which I don't know if you does that cause any issues with you? So yeah, so if there's somebody who's only ever used iMessage with me and they want to get a hold of me when I'm using a Windows phone or anything that's not iPhone. Um, they generally can't get a hold of me. Okay. Cause mine work. Yeah. Like it picked it up right away. But um, if I, the one way to solve that is me messaging them first. So yeah, I, I'm usually proactive with my wife. Ah, that might've done it. Yeah. Oh, so you like, so that's why you so, randomly text me like, <laughs> good morning, Jason, <laughs> which I hope I, you slept great. I have never texted that to Jason ever. <laughs> No, um, but I will say with the 6S Plus, I mean, if you want to keep it, you got to put a case on it. I mean, I, yeah. I even though it feels really great, I that thing just feels like it's going to jump out of your hand and bust a screen into yeah, a gajillion I have pieces. A, I have a broken iPhone 6 that says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have the I have the Apple Care though. So yeah, so do I. I dropped it in. Like, I have the Apple Care and, that and uh, one of those awesome screen protectors on that one. Yeah. So then 18 hours later, uh, they, they sent me a brand new one. So that was, which was pretty cool. Uh, the really cool thing about the Lumia though, is I also got the Microsoft display dock and I've been playing around with continuum. Um, if you're not a developer, like I would imagine most of the people on the show are, I could imagine, uh, getting a lot of my light computing done on the display dock on my, with my phone. Uh, yeah, you plug your keyboard and mouse in there or not even plug it in. You can have Bluetooth wads. They pair right up. Yeah. Those come right in. Um, if you don't have the display back and you just Bluetooth them in, you, you get a cursor on your screen. You get a little mouse cursor where you move stuff around, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Once you put um, your phone in the dock and you know it's going up on the big screen, instead of a start menu, getting it like the Windows start menu, it is literally your phone start screen. So you see all the tiles as you have them, whatever size they are. You swipe over, you get the all apps view. Um, you can only launch universal windows apps. So anything that's a windows 10 APIs and higher, those are the only apps right. that'll launch. So you'll see a bunch on your phone that won't launch. And as they get upgraded, um, some of them might change from grayed out to being able to be used. Yeah. I was gonna say like, what happens if you try to launch like notepad? Um, like, is it on there? No. Maybe it's just not on no, there. So like w- one of the examples, let's just say you have just like a random app for me. None of my apps that are in the store right now are windows 10. If you have my right. battery app, uh, you'll see the tile on there, but it'll be grayed out. So you'll see whatever yeah. it's updated as, but it just won't let you launch it. Can you go to like my computer and view and like browse the file system? Yes, you can. It, it has a, a file browser on there. Okay. Um, one of the options you do have though, is from, from the keyboard and mouse, you can say, open it on the phone. Mm-hmm. So in, 
when you launch yeah, Continuum, cool. it'll it'll have a little screen on there that lets you use um, the screen surface as a trackpad. And when you go into a text field, it'll open up the keyboard, so you can use that. But you can also uh, just hit the home button and uh, use both what's ever on the screen and what's ever on your phone screen. So you can kind of use them both at the same time. Oh, seems like great execution. How's the performance? Um, with the exception of web browsing, it's just like the phone. Um, web browsing, it, you don't realize quite how slow some of the sites on your phone really are until you yeah. bring them up into that really big window. So I've noticed that a few uh, the sites, especially like the bigger ones like Verge or YouTube or stuff like that, those are yeah. noticeably like, oh, this is slower than my desktop. And and yeah. I would put it at, you know, it's it's better than like a netbook, but not by a whole lot. Okay. So So if you have, you know, the thing is too, we have fast internet connections. I mean, if you have if you have a slower connection too, it probably makes the difference oh, yeah. uh, even less important. Yep. Uh, interesting. Okay. And, and the thing is, I mean, the continuum phones are only going to get faster and faster. Yeah. So this is definitely version one of it and it's, yeah, you know, it is what it is. So yep. like you mentioned before, I also have the Microsoft band too, and I've had it for uh, about a month now. And mm-hmm. if you have one, um, and it feels comfortable for you, you know, there's not a whole lot different software wise with this. The big thing yeah. is, is it's so much more comfortable. It literally disappears on your wrist. Um, the band is very flexible. It charges totally differently. Um, it actually looks like an Apple product. I've, I, uh, we went out to dinner with our wives the other day, and I showed it to your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this looks like it has the curves of an Apple product. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because, like, the Apple Watch doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's really cool. But I noticed a lot of the apps haven't updated, like, the ones that – uh, flip your wallpapers in and out. They haven't updated it for the, the taller screen yet. So it's got a slightly okay. bigger screen. I'm waiting for them, especially on the iPhone. I don't think any of them have updated yeah. it. Well, and from a developer perspective, what's nice is like the SDK, it, it's just been additive. Like you, you don't have to like go and completely change your apps. You know, I'm working on that band PowerPoint remote app and I don't have to, um, you know, I don't care which band I'm connecting to the, I'm just talking to the accelerometer and the accelerometer and the V1 and the V2 is, essentially the same. I mean, the one in the band too might even be better, but the data I get off of it looks the same to me. So, you know, it just doesn't matter. My code doesn't change. Yeah. So looking forward to, you know, what, what I want in the future. Um, we, we've both had this kind of ongoing conversation, uh, amongst our friends about bigger monitors as yep. we're looking towards 4k. And I know you kind of pioneered the thought of, you know, a 40 inch monitor at 4k would kind of be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my, I have, I have two 27 inch monitors right now and they're the 2560 by 1440. And the DPI is pretty good on them. If you had a 4k monitor at 40 inches, you would actually have a little bit higher DPI so that you could, you could do a one-to-one, right? You wouldn't have to do any scaling and the text would still be a reasonable size. Um, if you go with like a 27 inch 4k display, you'd have to start doing like, um, image scaling, you know, high DPI always gets a little bit complicated because of that. And, uh, I think, you know, I think it, it's just that probably the easy path forward is to get like a 40 inch 4k. And, and now, of course, now I see it like everywhere. I see all these people talking about it. I've seen a whole bunch of people that are, that are doing this, including, we should probably link to this one, but uh, it was Rick Strahl. He got a 40 inch, I think it was a Phillips 
And, um, you know, it, it was an, it was actually a monitor and he talks about, you know, some of the pros and cons and I am so totally jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really want to get one of these things and I'd love to still use my 27 inch monitor somehow. The challenge is just getting them to like fit around the thing. Um, cause that's just a lot of, um, a lot of real estate, but there's, Going 4K is really complicated, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So the first complexity is actually driving the thing. So if you have HDMI and it's not HDMI, I believe this it's 1.4 and above that supports that resolution. Um, you know, then you can't drive one of these things with HDMI. You can't you could drive it with dual DVI if the monitor supports that. So my video card was um, I think it's like a 750 TI. It's a pretty high end video card from a couple of years ago. And I'm running both these monitors. I have two dual DVI monitors, but it has the old version of HDMI. So I don't think that I can drive a 4k. Now with my Mac laptop, it will drive a 4k. If I get a display port, a mini display port to, um, HDMI adapter, of course, I'm using VNC and you guys just disappeared again. Okay, you're back. Uh, <laughs> I got to set that time out sometime. Uh, so that's complexity number one is just driving one of these things and be able to push all of those pixels. The next thing is the screen itself. So there's a couple issues. You can go out, like I sent you a link, you can get a 39 inch, I think it's like Seiki or whatever, I don't know, some some weird name TV for 200 bucks. Like we saw it go on sale for $200 and it's 4K. Like it's it's actually 4K. There's It's not like cheating or anything like that. Problem is it's 30 Hertz. So it's only 30 frames per second. So that's problem number one. So if you're doing anything where you're gonna have a higher frame rate, you're just not gonna see it. So if you're playing a game, it's gonna, it's gonna be terrible. Um, also, you gotta really look out for input lag. So as you're pushing more pixels and these TVs, you know, they start to they start to get wacky with all the all these electronics to try to make the picture look better, which drives me crazy. I turn off all of that stuff. Uh, if they do like motion interpolation or anything like that, uh, they basically add lag. So whenever you move your cursor, you're always looking at the cursor where it was, you know, half a second ago, which is really, really frustrating. So that's the next problem with 4K. So let's pretend like you get the right connection and you get, um, so you get, you know, a, let's say HDMI version two and you get a 4K monitor that's capable of 60 hertz. The problem doesn't end there, unfortunately. <laughs> you need more than that. And and like I said, you get rid of all the input lag. There's something known, and I, I had to do a little bit of research on this, and I have an article I think explains this really, really well. I'm actually going to bring it up here. But uh, what you want is you want one that does four by four by four. So it's four colon four colon four chroma support. Uh, if you get that, it basically what they're doing, they are a lot of times they're cheating on the signal and they're, they're like doing some pixel combining here. If you don't, if you don't get that. So if you're, if you're using, using one of these 4k <coughs> devices as a TV, you don't have to worry about this, but if you want to use it as a monitor and you want it to look good for text and, and everything else, you're sitting, you know, two feet from this thing, you want this four by four by four mode. Um, and of course, most companies don't list it in their specs. So once again, you have to have 4k, true 4k resolution. Cause the other thing that some of these things do is they, um, they, they basically accept like a 4k input, but they're really like a 3k TV and then they just scale the image. So you need true 4k with the right version of the input so that you can actually support that at 60 Hertz with four by four by four chroma. And, uh, and, and, and just know based on reviews that it has little input lag and, you know, 
that the thing actually looks decent. <laughs> it's a decent picture. So uh, instead of be, doing the homework ourselves, we're just going to wait for you to tell us which, which you've researched. <laughs> yeah. So right now I, Rick Strahl, you know, he did a lot of this research and he, you know, he picked that, that Phillips model and it seems to have like, it supports all of these things. The, his only complaint, whenever you get that big, you start running into viewing angle issues. Um, so, you know, these panels making them that big, um, with that high pixel density, you know, with current technology, um, in a, in an inexpensive TV means that you're usually giving something up. So whenever you get to the edges, some of the, some of the text and the graphics can look a little faded out, but he said it definitely wasn't a showstopper. So that seems to be the way to go. So you can go and save a few bucks by getting like a 4k 60 Hertz or 120 Hertz TV, but there, there might be a catch to it. So, you know, don't, don't just like, you know, if you see a, a, you know, if there's like a Samsung and an LG 4k that's on sale at, at your local Best Buy, don't run over and get it. And then just hook up the cable and be like, okay, why isn't this working? And then once you get it working, why does this suck so bad? <laughs> don't do that. Do some research. Or like you said, just listen to me. Um, cause once, once we figure out the right one to get here, I'll probably get one. You'll get one. Brandon will probably get one too. Let's be honest. <laughs> so I, I hear you saying 40 inches. Is that some magic sweet spot or so why 40? So a lot of, so there's, there are a lot of models that are like in that range. They're 39 to 42. Some people like like the 42. It depends. It really depends on your vision, but the, that range I think is a sweet spot for not doing the pixel doubling. So on a high DPI display, what you usually do is, you know, you're using, like want you're you're basically scaling the image uh, and all of your text, right? So you're not doing like a one to one, you know, real pixel to to you know logical pixel. Um, so by by going in that range, you can still have a good font size and image size and real estate on your screen and just do a one to one mapping. So you know every pixel that Windows is expecting is is what the monitor is. So you just set everything to 100% and, and life is good. If you go with a bigger screen, then the pixels are going to start looking big and you're really going to start seeing the pixels. If you go smaller, then you're going to have to set some scaling. Otherwise, the text will get too small. So, yeah, I think that that seems to be what most people think is the is the sweet spot. Unless, like I said, you have vision issues or I mean, the other option Honestly, those that the like the Philips TV is like or the that that display is like eight hundred bucks. You could also go with twenty seven inch screens, do the pixel doubling. So basically, a high DPI display. They're four hundred dollars. You can get some from Dell for four hundred bucks. You could get two of those. I mean, that's another good option. But then just keep in mind you're going to be driving, you know, eight million pixels instead of the four million that I would be running on my forty inch. Um, so you get some advantages out of that. One of the disadvantages is, is the the bezel down the middle. You know, two monitors, like I'm dealing with that now, which is fine for coding and things like that. It actually works sort of to your advantage. But if you're going to, if you're going to play a game, say a racing game across those monitors, that bezel will be right down the middle. Um, so I'm actually one day when I get my 4k monitor, I'm looking forward to playing age of empires two on it because I'll be able to see like a quarter of the entire map, um, without any bezel and, and life will be good. So that'll be very interesting. And actually, if I'm willing to live with the bezels, I can probably span that thing across, uh, you know, 40 inch plus my two twenty sevens. See almost the entire map. I just got to turn my head then. <laughs> so the other item that I wanted in the future, it was something I actually hoped I'd have done already. Um, I, mm-hmm. I actually have kind of a small desk. It's only like three or three and a half feet wide. Um, yeah. working from home. This is just kind of, we picked it up at our local equivalent of Goodwill store and, uh, 
it's actually a really nice solid desk, except what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove the top and get a larger piece of wood, sand it down, curve the edges and uh, finish it off nice and put it in its place. So hopefully I'm looking to at least double what I have for desk space. Okay. So more space is always good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's barely enough to scrunch everything in, but occasionally I do look very cluttered and that's pretty easy to happen. So I'm hoping get a little bit more room to sprawl out. I can feel a little bit uh, nicer as I'm working throughout the day as well. Then you got more space to clutter. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yep. So the only other things that I wanted to mention, uh, there's some minor things, you know, I talked about, you know, I'm not sure someday if I'm going to go surface book or surface pro four, both those devices look really appealing to me. Um, of course, you know, my, my service pro three, um, I would love to upgrade to the service pro four, but you know, it's tough to justify financially. Um, love to have a multi-monitor mount so I can get some of these, you know, monitor stands off my desk and just make it so that I have more free desk space, but all that stuff is kind of monitor is kind of minor. Um, one big thing that I would love to have, um, that, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm probably just going to suffer is I'd love to have a little bit bigger laptop hard drive. So right now I have 256 gigs. Um, it's not too tight. I, I think I have about 200 gigs on there. Um, the external drive is sort of, um, solve that problem a little bit, but the other solution would just be to go to like a 512. And if I ever replace this laptop, um, with something newer, uh, I think I'm definitely gonna be looking at going 512 instead of 256. So that's something to watch out for, especially since on a Mac, you're going to be running, you know, most of us will be running windows in addition to OS 10. So, you know, that's just additional space. Um, and then the other big thing was, you know, we haven't really talked about like home theater or anything like that. And that could probably be it's a whole nother episode, but, um, you know, my streaming boxes, I have three different kinds. So I have the Amazon fire stick on one TV. I have a Roku three on another TV. And then the other TV, actually what's on the other one, I guess they use the Wii U, but I also have an Apple TV there. Um, so, you know, I haven't really made up my mind, although I, overall, I would say I'd like the Roku three, the best, um, eventually I'd like to have, um, something like the Roku four. Um, they made some improvements on there. Like they have a Netflix button, which I think is kind of cool, uh, for a service. That's like one of the few places where I'd actually want that. And they have a remote locator cause my kids lose the remote all the time. So that could be a game changer as far as the Roku is concerned. The Apple TV looks interesting. Um, if I could get, um, Amazon video on there, because I, you know, I like I don't like to get hooked into too much into any one ecosystem. So I tend to use Amazon to purchase my, my videos and stuff like that. Um, cause they travel pretty much anywhere and, and then I can remain kind of hardware agnostic. Um, so the Apple TV, I'm sort of watching it. I'm, there's nothing, you know, I don't, I don't have this like itch that, you know, I need to scratch and go buy one of those things, but, uh, I'm watching it cause it looks like an interesting device now that you can run, you know, sort of arbitrary apps on the thing. And if we ever wanted to make the MS dev show app, I'd have to get one. So as, as the, uh, resident Apple yeah, the fanboy, fanboy, yeah, I'm sure, um, five. So no, so I have two Apple TV threes. Okay. Um, and I've been really hesitant to upgrade to the, to the new model. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one being the remote scares me. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of reports that they break easily. Oh, really? Like foot off the ground glass shatters because there's glass on it. Oh, really? Yeah. So that, that scares me because, um, I have kids <laughs> Yeah. and they love throwing stuff. Yeah. So that remote would last maybe a day. Um, the, the other issue is that speaking of remotes, um, Apple has the remote app in yep. iOS. Last time I checked, the new Apple TV still wasn't supported, and I use that all the time. What? 
That's crazy. It's got to be updated Come by on, now. Apple. It's been it's been a few weeks since you I got checked. The money. So I'm hoping it's updated. Hire <laughs> uh, some, right? <laughs> some developers. What's going on over there? Uh, they're busy making cars. Yeah. Um, which is probably true, actually. Um, and then uh, just the Apple TV three does does well, and I use it so little from like an app standpoint i just don't have that justification yet yeah. to get into another app ecosystem yeah and amazon hasn't come to the app new apple tv and i don't think right i don't know if they plan on doing it i don't they're just you know mysteriously not present at this point i wonder if they could do it via an app now like proper in yeah. which case if they can they could bring them back onto the amazon store because yeah. amazon kicked all the players off right yep. that don't support amazon video so that'd be interesting yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, same with, uh, same with like the, the Xbox video app. Um, is that called, is that groove now? Or that's just the music service is called groove, right? Yeah. What is the video service called? Is it still Xbox video? I couldn't Carl tell doesn't you. know that nobody knows. <laughs> I think it's still called Xbox video. I, Cause it was all, it was all like, you know, one big thing. And now it's sort of separate out. There's groove music. And then I think it's Xbox video, which is actually a pretty compelling offer. Um, they have a lot of good deals. Like today, for example, they have a ton of movies for 10 cents, like new movies, um, that you can, uh, that you can rent, which is pretty cool. So I would watch all the different movie services and check out, you know, whatever is the, whatever is the latest. So that's why today I think the, the Roku is still the, still the choice. Cause you have, you have all the different video services, so you can actually do that price shopping. Okay. Uh, anything on your wish list, Brandon? Oh man. Uh, honestly, I, I'm doing pretty good. Right now. <laughs> so, so as, as maybe so I can maybe tell your wife that yeah. Brandon doesn't need yeah. anything else. He's good. No, don't, I, don't ever say that. <laughs> then, then I won't be allowed. The to second we hang up, he'll be like, I need this thing now. Yes. I don't know what uh, it is right now. But. <laughs> so, so I'm a, I'm a bit of a media dabbler. Yeah. Uh, I, I do a lot of different things. Um, you know, besides just being a, a software developer, you know, I, I avid photographer. I like doing music. Um, I've actually just recently fulfilled my wish list. Uh, I got a new camera, new lens. What camera did you get? Um, so I got the 6D Canon. Okay. Um, and I, I was really skeptical about that uh, just because it's it's probably going on two years old now, okay. the model. Oh, okay. Um, and one thing about the, the camera industry is you just don't know when the next model is going to drop. Yep. Unlike, you know, what we kind of get, even even in the Apple world, we can read the waters a little bit yeah. and kind of say, you know what, there's probably going to be a hardware update soon. Does not happen in the camera world. It's just hit or miss. You know, I, I was worried I was going to buy it, and then two months later, 6D Mark II comes out. Uh, doesn't seem like that's going to happen, but who knows. So I jumped to the full frame world, uh, picked up um, one of their L lenses, and that's kind of been my wish list for this year and uh i'm broke now because of it so <laughs> nothing else in the plans for a while so speaking of cameras so there was a black friday deal that i was <clears throat> i was i was wavering on for probably almost two hours it was the the um sony a6000 i saw there was a de- amazon had a deal and then ebay actually won up them they had the a6000 which is the body, I don't know how much that normally is. I think it's normally like a five or $600 body by just by itself, right? So they had the body plus the battery, which I think it usually comes with battery, but it had the 16 to 55 millimeter lens, I believe, which is, I guess, kind of a, 
okay slash crummy lens. Um, but that lens is that's, that's like a $300 lens. Um, I don't know how accurate that price is. Um, but then it also came with the, I think it was like a 50, 50 or 55 to 210 millimeter, which actually got phenomenal reviews. That's a $350 lens. So you were basically getting $650 worth of lenses plus the body battery. And I think it might've came with a bag as well, 580 bucks. And I, I was staring at that thing and what I was looking at, I have a really, I have a really high end Nikon flash. I have the SB 900 and, uh, they, they're, they're not compatible. Like the, you have to get an adapter for that. Um, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to sell my existing lenses and, and, uh, I was trying to find a good Sony lens that was comparable to, cause I always use a 35 1.8 and the comparable Sony, they had basically the same thing, but it was 400 bucks. So then I, you know, all of a sudden I was at, you know, $980 instead of 580 and I couldn't sell my old gear and, and justify that. So I find I, after a couple hours, I did not pull the trigger on that deal, but that was a phenomenal deal. Cause I'm interested in what I really want is I want, I want like a, a really amazing camera like that, that is just really small. So that was that, that just about fill, fit the bill and didn't quite make it. Okay. Any other hardware we want to talk about? Nope. Good. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm adding all this stuff to your carts right now. So if there's anything else you want, <laughs> this is, uh, this is your last chance. Well, I've been eyeing up that Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't have that on Amazon. Okay. Uh, what do you got for the app of the week? Carl? So, uh, this is an Android app and in honor of the 950 XL and the new windows phones coming out, Microsoft is reminding us that they have an app out there called app comparison. Uh, you put that on your Android app or on your Android phone and it will tell you what the equivalent, uh, windows phone apps are going to be if you jump oh, ship cool. to uh, windows phone. So if you are thinking about uh, making the uh, switch, uh, check out this app. It's a free app and it'll tell you, uh, if uh, an official app doesn't exist, you know, what's a good replacement for it? Can it scan your phone or not? Yes. Android, oh, you can okay. do anything. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. If it can scan all the apps and do that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it'll tell you, like, it'll, it'll, it'll know that you're using Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you got for the dev tip of the week? Uh, a few months ago, we had the guys that were doing, uh, talking about live tiles and notifications. Yep. And they reminded us that with the new release of Threshold 2 in Windows 10 uh, in November, um, there's a, a new tile templates and new um, capabilities for adaptive tile templates uh, with that build. So a few of them are you know, some changes to how the circle crop for peak and background images works and uh, new hints and overlays that can be done and uh, just... You know, a lot of cool things. If you're a developer and you want to make really nice looking uh, live tiles, you might want to check this out. It only takes a couple minutes to read, and I got a, a few good tips out of it. Okay, very cool. Um, do we want to skip the card game this week? Sure. Just because of time? Okay, we'll skip that. Fine. Uh, Brandon, where can people find you? Because they're so interested in you now. They're like, <laughs> I want to see all of his Apple products. <laughs> and yeah, it's so, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. I should really post a picture of that. I don't have one up. Yep. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Martinez, and you can also find me at BrandonMartinez.com. Wow, that's easy to remember. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. 
Okay, and you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on again and uh, keeping us company and talking about uh, hardware. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 